The Valkyrie Cycle, a Monster Hearts 2 actual play podcast by Midnight Ceremonies Media. Episode 14, Chosen Ones. Hello, my name is Saffron Heftigaub, and I play Stephanie Chaplin on The Valkyrie Cycle. I am also one of the directors and editors. Before we begin this episode, a couple of reminders. If you're tweeting or posting about this show online, please use hashtag TheValkyrieCycle or hashtag TVC spoilers to tag your content and to help us see anything you'd like to share with us. You can follow our official account at Midnight Scene Media on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for updates and additional information about the show. A reminder that this season deals with heavy themes, including reoccurring and intense depictions of generational trauma, internalized homophobia, violence, and inter-party conflict. For episode-specific content warnings, please check the episode descriptions or visit our website at midnightceremoniesmedia.com. Finally, a heads up that there were some technical difficulties on Karina's end of audio for this episode. Thank you for your patience, and I hope you enjoy episode 14, Chosen Ones. We pick back up with Caesar on his way home because you are in your darkest self and you have to choose a side and you've chosen your family. Yep. So what do you do? Well, Caesar's choosing a side because Lucian has made it clear he is not going to be anything other than what his family wants him to be. So he should stop trying to be anything else. So he's driving home. Um, yeah, he drives home. Um, I think he sits in the driveway for a minute and like goes to smoke and then remembers he doesn't have his fucking lighter. And so he just goes inside. You head inside and, uh, it's it is about lunchtime because you skipped lunch um so you hear um like your grandmother's in the kitchen and uh there's actually like music playing um like on some like a like a little like shitty radio that you know that she keeps in the kitchen uh to play while she cooks um and uh you do you go in to talk to her absolutely yeah you head inside. You see that she is, um, like, just making, like, a little sandwich for herself and, uh, like, a glass of water and um, is sort of, like, standing at the counter uh, eating with, like, a newspaper sort of spread on the countertop in front of her. And um, she looks up as uh, you come in and, like, lifts an eyebrow and just says, um, Shouldn't you be in school, Miho? Yeah. Um, turns out, I think some more important things came up. So uh, I took the day so I could come see you and talk to you. Oh, well, what has come up, Caesar? You said when you met with Arthur Astor the other night, you would just be discussing politics things 
but it wasn't that. Or at least it wasn't just that. She just, like, raises her eyebrows and just, like, waits for you to continue. Like, not surprised. You sent me after the Strociantes, and I got you the information you wanted. And now I hear uh, you haven't been fully honest with me, which I, I understand, but I'm coming here to ask you, what are we really doing? Because I've done well. I've done everything you've asked of me. So I'm here to ask for my seat at the table. I'm here to be involved, fully involved in what you want me to do and in who you need me to be. I'm not not gonna try to be my own person anymore because it it hasn't ever worked out. And you know, I, I see that now. I see that you've always been right about my place. Your grandmother puts like her hands like flat on the counter and sort of leans against it and looks at you. And the emotions that sort of pass over her face as you say that are maybe a little inscrutable to you because she's such a figure of power and authority and has never shown emotion to you uh, other than, well, usually disappointment and sometimes pride. She sighs and says, Caesar, I am glad that you want a seat at the table and I will gladly give one to you. But I, and she's kind of like struggling like to find the words. And she says, you are not a, a puppet. You are a Reyes. And you are my grandson. And you are a part of this family. But I don't, I don't, you, you are your own you are a person, you are your own person. You are not, I want you to make choices, but I, I want you to make the right choices that will make you have a good life. Okay. I think 
the right choices for me are guided by what you want for me. Because you can say, I'm my own person, but for 18 years, I don't know that that's really been true. I didn't really want to go into politics, but I'm going to. Or whatever it is you need from me, because it wasn't politics Arthur Astor was talking about. And then Caesar's going to like pull out the notebook and like show her what Arthur Astor wrote in it and say, he knew that we were serpentines. I want to know what the actual plan is here. She uh, leans back from the counter and um, straightens up slightly and just says, um, like the sort of like, confusion and like slight concern that she had like moments before is like gone and she says um i met with arthur astor because he knew we were serpentine and i didn't know that he knew that he knew and so when he approached me informing me that he knew about our family secret i had to attend <laughs> while of course he was threatening me to attend he did have something that would help our family escape the moment of bad luck that we found ourselves in and then when i attended the meeting i discovered that arthur astor and his friends have intentions to end the world ragnarok now, Arthur Astor thinks that Hor thought he was a very smart man, but very smart men do not invite very powerful people to their dinner parties where they lay out all of their plans without ensuring their loyalty and then dying to make sure that that loyalty can never be upheld. So, Arthur Astor is dead. He holds no power over me. And the brief moments in time when he did are over. I have tentatively agreed to work with Cynthia Strisciante on a matter of what she thinks is grave importance. And while we do so, a very important tip will be sent to the Seattle police, informing them of the warehouse that they need to investigate. 
I was informed by the DA this morning that they'd already secured a warrant. So in the meantime, I will simply be distracting Cynthia until the anvil is just above her head. So that is what I've been doing, Miho. Okay. So we're definitely not pro Ragnarok. Of course not. Arthur Astor and Simon Blackwell and all these idiotic white people think that we all come from the same place. I'm not related to Jormungandr and I don't give a shit about him. That's, that's good to hear. Did you know about the Strisciantes the whole time that this is what they wanted? I knew that they were a serpentine family that had been cursed and they'd been seeking to break that curse. I didn't know that the actual end of the world was what they were looking for, but it's not exactly a great leap in logic. Then why have you always hated them? Because they are exactly what we are not, what we should never be. They steal and they kill and they turn on each other and they sell each other down the river to ensure that one person remains. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, you, you say those are horrible values to have. I, I agree, but, um, it came to my attention that dad didn't leave just because he wanted to, or just because he got sick of us. You made him leave. You see that her eyes close and she sort of breathes deeply. And then she opens them and looks at you. And she says, your father was a man just like my husband, who did not deserve the lot in life that he was given and squandered it when women far more capable and far more qualified stood right beside them and had to watch them throw their lives down the drain. Your father was an idiot. And my husband was an idiot. And I stood by him because I married him. And that is what I agreed to do. 
but that was my mistake. You and your sisters and your mother deserved a better man in their life. And your father wouldn't be that man. There is a difference between telling your husband to go to jail for you and removing the wheat from the chaff. If I failed you, would you do the same thing to me? Would you kick me out? She pauses. You are a member of this family. And your father was not. I trust that you will not fail. But in the event that you did, failure in it would not remove your last name. You are Reyes, you are my grandson. Okay. I, I won't fail you. You, you said you, you stood by your husband. I want the truth this time. Do you know if that's what mom did? Because she left too. Your grandmother sighs and she sort of like, this whole time, there's sort of been this counter between you, like this physical barrier. And she steps around so that she can stand in front of you face to face. And she says, the truth is that your mother left because of me. Not because she stood by your father, but because I chased him away and well, when we parted, she said many things, but mostly that she could not stand to be in such a family. And I said that if she left, she could not come back. And she hasn't. She didn't even try, though. She she left you, but she left she left me too, and she didn't even try to come back. Your grandmother puts her hand on your shoulder, and she says, "Your mother loves you." and your sisters very much. But I was too harsh on her, her entire life. And in the end, I drove her away. And that is not your fault. That is just mine. 
you can say that, but it doesn't it doesn't change anything. She's still gone. And people can love you and still leave. It doesn't change anything. I just don't I don't I don't know that I can, you know, ever reconcile that. It's 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 what everyone does. <laughs> I I I drove away people had nothing to do with you. It was it was me. Uh Guadalupe takes her hand off your shoulder and like tilts your chin so that you look up at her directly into her eyes and she says you are more like me than either of us realized and so I will give you this piece of advice Miho if you cannot bear the pain of being left behind then you simply have to make yourself into someone who can and that will not be easy, but otherwise you will crumble. And I do not want to see you crumble. Yeah, me neither. That's, I think that's, I think that's what I'm gonna try to do from now on. Is the, Astro State relevant at all anymore? No. The Aster boy is too young to be of any use to our family and our political ambitions. And frankly, Arthur Astor was, well, as I said, not as smart of a man as he would have liked to believe. Apparently he's burned quite a few bridges in Washington. Yeah. I can believe that. Great. Thank you for the talk. And thank you for the truth. She nods. She sort of like um, just puts a hand on your cheek very briefly and says... I know that I am hard on you and I am hard on Reyna and Brianna, but it is because I do not want to see you make the mistakes that I have made and that your mother has made and your father has made. I want the family that you inherit to be better than the one I gave you. It will be. Is there... Anything you need me to do? Do you need me to talk to Mistress Yantes again, or? Well, I expect that there will be blowback and repercussions for what is about to happen. So 
At the moment, I would just like you to keep yourself safe. I can do that. Thank you. And I guess Caesar will leave. Where, well, where do you go after that? Man, um, I can't. I mean, he just fucking walked out of school, so I guess. Well, for can he eat lunch and then to actually, um, I guess I don't know. Since he has the day, I guess maybe he'll go see Penny. I guess. Well, um, let's zoom back in, folks, on Starfire walking towards the school. Uh, yeah, Starfire, you get back to the school and it looms up before you. Where do you go? What do you do? In the gym. Just like you said. How much before school gets out is this? Um, it takes you a minute to walk across town, but I'm I sure. think this would still be, this would be in like the middle of sixth period. Okay. Uh, Starfire opens up her phone, texts to Cora. Hey, I'm here early if you wanted to ditch class, but I can also wait. Um, Cora takes back on my way, LOL. I hate English lit. And Starfire waits. And she knows just about exactly how long it takes someone to walk from English lit out here. And as soon as it's about mm, maybe 10 seconds left, she breathes in. And she's sitting there like a normal teenage girl waiting for a date. Cora uh, walks out. Um, she has like her bag slung over one shoulder. Um, she's in like her usual like jean jacket uh, over a hoodie. Her hair is pulled back uh, in like a bun like usual. And she's got like ripped dark jeans on. And she like waves as she sees you and like sort of jogs over uh, and says, Hey, Starfire, hey. you ready? Yeah. My, yeah. my car, yeah. yours. I can drive. Uh, AP Chem, worst shit I have ever experienced in my life. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Um, if you want my notes, I took it last year. Um, I think uh, I might still yeah. have them around. I save all my notes for that, my siblings. That would be great because apparently I'm supposed to join an AP uh, study group, which I would prefer not to royally embarrass myself in, but you know, that's what it is. All right, no more English let, no more AP come. Let's get out of here. Thank God. You said coffee, right? Yes. Uh, Lucian told me right, that, that you. you like coffee. So... <laughs> Did he say black coffee straight and then make some joke about how much fucking espresso that is? Um, he said you like black coffee, uh, and I think he ma- he made a joke about um, I don't know that it's way too much. <laughs> yeah, he would. Glad to know I've got that trail of commentary following my every <laughs> coffee making decision. <laughs> Now that I think about it, I don't think I've ever uh-huh. showed him my coffee order, so... Probably for the best, I would keep it that way. Yeah. 
All right, let's go. And she'll start walking to the car. Uh, yeah, Corwin will just will come with and slides into the passenger seat. Starfire turns on the car and we'll drive to the coffee shop that they normally go to. It's like, you know, drive through in the morning. Take out okay. I figured we could like, you know, sit in a park somewhere or something. Yeah, that'd be great. And drive through once she gets close-ish to the coffee shop. All right, what's the order? Promise I will not tell Lucian. Be held to the utmost secrecy. Um, okay. I it's uh I like a flat white um and with like two pumps of caramel and <laughs> one of vanilla. Oh, it makes sense that you and Lucian are friends. <laughs> okay 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 i am not judging i am ordering it's fine we're good <laughs> uh and starfire will order the coffees hey think of lucian slapping down like 20 dollar bills every time he leaves the drive-thru but she just you know pays tips a little and can score her coffee all right any favorite spots? I don't really know any good ones. Um. Uh. Well, there's uh, a park by the church that Lucian and I hang out there sometimes after mass. Okay. You like it there? Yeah, I mean, it's nice. Uh, I'm pretty sure that father tom can see it from his window but so far i've never gotten busted for smoking out there so uh, so far okay um that works or actually is there anywhere near water that i'm aware of um yeah there's like a park by the the river how about the one by the river it's safe away from Father Tom's prying, prying eyes <laughs> in case you should desire to smoke a cigarette. You see that Cora like hesitates for a moment uh, and just says, That's fine. We probably should be careful though, um, just being that close to the woods. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. Um, we can we can go to the one by the church. That's that's okay. Okay. Uh, and she'll drive towards towards the um towards the park that Cora said I uh, I think there's a picnic blanket in the back if you want to grab it yeah sure left side of the trunk the trunks you gotta like actually yank it it's kind of stuck yeah I uh I know what you mean my dad's car has like mm -hmm. the same problem which really annoys me because I would love to fix it for him, but he refuses and he says that it is fine and it's not broken. How do we drag requires... it into car mechanics class? We can fix it like when they fixed Aster's hot wired car. Oh my God. That's insane that Al even let us do that. And also uh, insane that he just has that car. It... You know what a fucking idiot I feel like getting picked up by that every morning. He honks. <laughs> Like when he's hundreds of feet away from the house, hundreds. Oh my God. I, 
Be, he does do, not pick me do up. Do not thank let God. him <laughs> pick you up. Do not. I, well, thankfully it will never happen because I have to drive um, four children to school every day. So, yes. I don't and I'm saying, since he's living Wandy with you now, do not let him own. drive you and the four children to school. <laughs> it's just a suggestion. Take it or leave it. I will absolutely take it. Mm-hmm. All right. Starfire parks the car, hops out, gets the drinks, and waits for car to get. Fuck, fuck. I'm so nervous. Cora to get the blanket. Yeah. Um, she grabs the blanket and um, uh, walks over, uh, clears like a little bit of the snow away, um, and like, Plays it out, sits down. Oh my god, this is so much better than class. Yeah, tell me about it. Congrats on the softball scholarship. I don't think I ever got a chance to tell you that. Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, it's uh. Yeah, it's cool. It's great. Um, I don't actually know if that's... I haven't, like, you know, done all the acceptance stuff yet, but uh, it's cool to, like, I guess, have it as a thing that I can do. Yeah. And you can play softball anywhere if you end up deciding to go somewhere else. Great, but I don't know. Figured since we haven't had practice in fucking a million years, because apparently the track team is unable to relinquish control of the field for more than 20 minutes, softball practice has not been happening much of late. Yeah, I am like, I've been talking with uh, Danielle and like, we're like this close, like we're going to get a petition going or something. I'll sign it. Perfect. You will be the first person that the clipboard passes to. Fantastic. Would appreciate that. Starfire kind of lays down a little bit. Bill X's looks up at the sky. My sister and I used to do those. Like a class or (laughs) no cloud cloud watching. She was always wrong about whatever fucking animal the clouds looked like. She thought they were all dolphins. So. Yeah. I never did much cloud gazing as a kid, but... um, Stargazing? Yes, actually. We did a lot of that. My brother um, loved, like, space and shit. Big sci-fi nerd and had all these like books on constellations and stuff you could point out like every single one do you know what would be over us right now if there were stars um i'm trying to remember celestial sphere rotation yada yada yeah i think like what ursa major is up is in the hemisphere right now not sure i'd believe that i think you can see orion like any time of year circumpolar yeah yeah 
Let's see. I'd always wanted to go stargazing. Never been patient enough for that. Yeah, requires enough patience to both wait for nighttime and also for the fucking clouds to go away. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess you gotta pick a clear night then. Mm-hmm. Is there something you wanted to talk about or did you just wanna, you know? I mean, I kind of just wanted to hang out. Um, yeah, fair. Maybe, well, uh, what? I mean, well, okay, prom is happening in right. like a week and a half now, less, I guess. Are you, Cora, asking me to prom? Uh, well, I mean, if you are interested in going, um, I mean, it's, it's, you see that for like a second, something like crosses her face, like hesitation and starfire's body language is open and inviting and gentle even i mean even in like that just like moment it's almost like like a flash of like regret uh but she just blinks blinks it away and says um yeah i mean it's sort of my last like big thing of senior year and so i was thinking of going um if you would like to go with me starfire smiles and looks down looks back at her and looks away a little bit and then kind of back you know that's really funny because i also had a question for you how long exactly have you known that you were blackwell Her entire face and body changes. And she was like sort of like sitting on the on the blanket with like uh one leg like stretched out, the other one like sort of propped up, and she was like leaning back with her coffee cup in her hands, and she just completely stiffens and sits up. And the sort of like nervous but like easygoing sort of like expression that she had like asking about prom just totally disappears did i mutter cora no you didn't since my brother died mm-hmm. which is how many months now that you've known Five. No, six. Six whole months. Now that's interesting. That's that's half a year. 
which you do realize leads to me to believe that oh how long ago was it that you know we started like you know teasing each other just a little bit for fun <clears throat> you know i seem to remember it might have been about six months which leads me to the inevitable conclusion that hmm, if I were Blackwell and I knew that in order to fulfill the prophecy and to make sure my family legacy continues and acting in my best self-interest, but if I knew there was another person that I had to kill to do that, I would be smart enough not to chase them down right off the bat and not to leave them far away until you've got the perfect moment to strike. I would get as close as I possibly could. Because you can't stop someone in the back till they're turned around. Do you think I wanted this? Did I... I would never have done that. This wasn't fake. Then what is it then? Me being an idiot and trying to have Because I'm not going to fall for that this time. I wouldn't try that again if I were you. I have two fucking weeks left to live, Starfire. Forgive me for oh, wanting something happy second. before I go. <laughs> yeah, so let's manipulate me and string me along for as long as you fucking can. Huh? Because mm, I'm sure I, your oh my goodness, damsel in distress or something of the sort would be, oh, so upset to hear that the love of her life and the only good thing in it and the one thing that she thought, mm, maybe she had to protect or that made her happy was actually using her for her last two weeks of happiness. Just like everyone in her life seems to tend to use her because she does remember emphatically that since the moment of her birth, first she was a shadow and then she was a weapon. And weapons get tired of getting used. They rust. I have only ever done what I had to do for my siblings. And that is why, do you wanna know something, Starfire? Yeah, no, I would love to know something. In fact, it would be lovely if you could tell me everything because apparently you've known for quite a long while. If you kill me before prom, Mm -hmm. Oliver becomes the next heir. And if you kill him, Anna or Percy or my nine-year-old sister. So I do what I do because they need me to. 
You think I'm a fucking animal, Cora? You think I want to rip each and every single one of you to pieces? Just for fun? It wasn't even supposed to be me. It was supposed to be my sister. And you know what happened? It was her 16th birthday. It's been 16th birthdays and first daughters for fucking thousands of years. And instead of my sister, the chain hit me across the fucking face. And it's been me. Ever since, you know, I had a whole life planned out after this. I had a whole lot of things I wanted to do and places I wanted to see and books I wanted to read. <clears throat> wanted to learn an instrument. I thought that might have been nice. I... But it was mine, you know? Because my sister had had everything and this was the one thing that belonged to me. But sometimes you get tired of bitterness and anger after a good long while and then it just turns into spite. But you, you've known You've been set on killing me, specifically me. And why do you think that's what I want? Why do you think I want to kill you? Oh, I, I don't. don't. Okay. I don't. And what are and you I'm going to do anyways? I'm going to summon Fenris. And he's going to take my body and try to use it for Ragnarok. And you're going to kill me. And you're going to kill him. And this will never happen to anyone else so that my siblings can have a real life, so that you can have a real life, I will die for the world. Oh, so and we're so playing the fucking martyr card. That's incredible. Cora uh, has, like, tears in her eyes, and she just stands up and says, I don't give a fuck what you do, and I'm sorry that this is how it has to be. And I'm sorry I didn't tell you, okay? I didn't plan on liking you. I didn't plan. So I'll leave you alone. And I'll let you train and I'll let you wait. And two weeks time, we meet in the woods and you end my fucking life, Starfire, because that's not any, there's no other way. I'm sorry, but I don't want this. You and realize, this is how it is. You realize that I am equally guilty of loving people and, and they're gonna come with me. Let them. I can't. I am the villain here. I am the bad guy. Let them come, Starfire. Corey, you know what villains do? If you wanna pretend at being one, they go for the heart first. And I keep mine in them. Well. If you want me to fight. <laughs> no one else can do it. So it has to be me. So for the rest of my life, when I look at myself in the mirror, I have to know that the first girl I ever looked at and felt um, butterflies 
in my stomach and uh, I always wondered what her favorite type of flower was and who loves photography and her siblings and softball and is going to college and the color green but not like neon green, dark green, like forest green and emerald green. I have to look at her myself, her, you know, in the mirror and know that I destroyed her. I just, I wanted to take you to prom and give you one good night. And you didn't give me that choice. I wish I could do it any other way. But I can't, because if I don't, what if you don't fight them? What if they come and we stand still? What happens? In the next generation or the generation after that has to do it. And I'm tired of this. I'm tired. I don't want to... I don't want to live with this cloud over me. I don't want to live with this cloud over my family. I'm done. I'm done. I want to be angry at you. Can't you make it easier for me to be angry at you? This can be it. No more fights. No more prophecies. No more apocalypse. No more dead family members dying for nothing. We can end this. And I'm, I wanted to be that girl who gets to go to prom and go to college and get to take the girl I like on a date, but I can't have that. And I won't have it if it means that I get to save everything and do do one good thing for the rest of my family. What about me? What what am I? Cora steps forward closer to you and just sort of reaches slowly so that you have time to back away if you want puts a hand on your cheek and just says, you deserve to have a good life after this. And you won't have to blame yourself. This is what I want. This is what has to happen. And you can- What about what I want? You can find happiness and you can want when this is done because I'm going to set Fenris free and if he has me then he will destroy the world and you will have to stop him I will make you stop him Starfire Starfire sways on her feet and in doing so kind of leans into Cora's hand just a little Okay. 
I don't think there's anything else I can give you. Starfire leans in just a little. Okay. Um, does Lucian know? I would have gone to prom with you. I'm sorry. To drop her leans in to touch her forehead to chorus. Me too. You can feel Cora shaking and then she pulls away um i'm i should go starfire's eyes slip down to her lips for just a second and flip up to make eye contact she hesitates and looks at you and turns to leave and Starfire remembers all of the times she's been somewhere watching through a window All of the time she's been left behind. What do you do from here? I don't know. Allow me a moment whilst I consult the chosen's darkest self, please. Mm -hmm. Could you read it aloud just for us? Absolutely. None of your friends can help. They're not strong like you are. You need to chase down the biggest threat imaginable immediately and alone. Any challenges or dangers that you encounter must be faced head on, even if they might kill you. You escape your darkest self when someone comes to rescue you, or when you wake up in the hospital, whichever comes first. But she did chase down what she perceives as the biggest threat immediately and alone. I don't think she's out of her darkest self, but I think maybe. Where is the church and the park in relation to everything else the woods the school everything um it's roughly in the same neighborhood uh as the school but the school is um sort of on the northern most end of town um whereas like the church is sort of like six seven blocks south um and so there's residential neighborhood in between the two uh beyond the school is the woods um and like heading northeast or northwest would put you there pretty quickly 
I think she walks towards the woods. You walk towards the woods and the town is quiet. And as you leave the street lights and the paved roads behind for snow and trees, the hush follows you. And the woods are just as quiet, just as still. She's listening very, very carefully. Almost like a wolf. As you trudge forward through the snow, you hear a little bit far off to your right. Twigs breaking and something moving through the snowy underbrush. She shifts ever so slightly in that direction, but her pace does not change. Her expression does not change. Just listening. As you change your direction, so does the thing in the woods, and you hear it starting to come closer. And soon, the sounds of steps, you can see as a icy white cougar prowls between the trees, stalking you, burning white eyes, tracking your movements. Starfire doesn't do a goddamn thing. She wants to follow its tracks. This one seems different. Doesn't come out and attack you. Just prowls around you in a sort of circle that's starting to grow tighter. But you can find its tracks and you can follow Mm -hmm. to where they came from. Just walking that way. You head deeper and deeper into the woods, and you can hear, and in your periphery you can see flashes of that snowy, ice-covered fur. But it waits. It waits until the tracks come to a stop before a tree that has the letters BW carved into its trunk. And you can feel it deep in, deep in your bones, that this is where it's going to happen. This spot. What's the cougar doing? It's not pacing anymore. You turn and you can see it's just sitting there on the edge of the clearing perfectly still like an ice sculpture waiting Starfire looks around she doesn't map out the area it's not something she'd remember if she walked away 
unusual for her. Turns back towards the tree. Just BW carved there. Yep. <laughs> she stares for a good long while. And then puts her back against the tree and draws her knees up close to herself and crosses her arms in tight and stares at the ice cougar and tears start running out both sides of her face. Complete and utter silence, no screams, no anything. Just sitting there, waiting. It follows your movements with its eyes. And as you finally still and just stare back at it, it begins to pad slowly into the clearing close to you. It may be four or five feet away. It stops and it crouches back and settles into a spring position and you can see its tail lashing behind it, moving the snow. One last chance. No. She's level with its eyes, meeting it perfectly. It burns cold. There's a fire. It pounces. And the second it leaves the ground, throws her hands up, wraps it around a chain, and slams it to the ground. You can feel the wind rush past your face as it's like icy claws are extended just inches away from your skin. And then it, in like, with like a quick layered yowl of pain is slammed into the ground. And you see that it rolls over and tries to escape, but the chain is like wrapped around its middle. And you can see that it is like burning through like ice melting. And she, she holds the chain, she holds it tight, and she lets it burn. And she kneels down, and she gets right up into its face. Kind of like places a hand on the side of its face, but not a gentle hand. Like a, almost a claw. Let's that sink in. And whispers to it, I will never forgive you. And wants to try to pull the chain tighter. She wants the thing to shatter. You say that, and you see in its eyes these, like, burning points of white light. And you see they dim just slightly, almost in some kind of acknowledgement. And then you hear cracks start to form in the ice, and then with one last tug, the thing just splinters apart into icy shards in the snow. Anything left behind? A single smooth black stone carved with a rune that you've always known means wolf. She picks it up 
and then she throws it as far away as she can and lets the tears fall against her face and presses her forehead up against the tree and still cannot get herself to scream but has her fists against it like she knows she'll never be able to move it but she wants it to know she is angry And she doesn't know what else to do. Does she hear anything from the tree? You hear wind pick up again through the boughs of the trees around you. And the forest loses some of its stillness. And it almost gets a little lost in that resurgence of sound but through like the rattle of cold dead branches you can hear almost like a growl she i think has a pocket knife on her and after a few minutes takes a few steps back can barely still see the tree grabs her pocket knife, flips it open, and just carves a line straight through the VW. It's tiny. She knows it won't do anything. She doesn't care. Then she walks to the center of the clearing. And she remembers the very first full, like, almost choreographed fighting sequence that she saw her parents teach to her sister that she has done over and over and over again, just as she's done everything else over and over again, because it's all cycles, it always has been. And she wraps the chain around her hand and she takes her stance. And she's going to try and do it faster than her sister ever did. She's done this tens, maybe even hundreds of times and she has never beaten her sister's time. At this point, yeah. Well-trained weapon. Blade knows where to strike. Does she do it faster? There has always been something hanging over you. Not just impending doom. Not just a prophecy. But the weight of the fact that it was not supposed to be you. And you go through the motions, you swing the chain, and it is real. It is you. And you do it faster than your sister. But it is you. And even as you finish going through the fight, you know that you'll be here in less than two weeks. And this fight won't be practice. It won't be choreographed. It will be real and it will be you. And she finishes. And she breathes. And she brings the chain back under her hand. Because she's finally the best at something. And only when she finally did it right, 
does she realize it's never what she wanted to be? I think around this time, you feel your phone buzz in your pocket. I open it. It is a text from your mother that just says, come home. Well, that's certainly the next biggest threat she can think of, so. And as she walks home, she will open up her phone to the Chosen Squad group chat and just type, any update on Sylvia? And she walks home. Okay. So, Sylvia, you leave class. Um, Where do you go? What do you do? We are going to Starfire's locker. Okay. So this, it would be like a little lock. Yeah, honestly, like probably one of those like combination ones that you get for school. Yeah. People in class, halls are empty. Mm -hmm. Can I just like hit it? (laughs) Like with what? I'm working on that one. Okay. (laughs) Would a fire extinguisher be in like a box of glass? Or would it just be? I mean, yes, there's definitely, no, no, it would definitely be in like a box of glass. Is it one where you'd have to like break the glass and then an alarm would go off? Um, it's probably one that has a door that like just swings open that you can open. So we're gonna take that and just start like smacking the lock and hope that we do this quick enough that no one notices. I really like had this plan and this is the part that I forgot to think about. <laughs> um you know, to be completely honest, my frame of reference for a lot of these things is TV. And so in TV shows, they can smack smash locks open quite quite easily. And given that Monster Hearts is a show emulating it is a game that emulates TV shows, um, you can do this uh, fairly quickly. I think it takes like two good smacks to get the lock to fall off. Okay, cool. Then we open it. I assume there's just like some random things in it. Textbooks, mm-hmm. pencils. We're gonna take... Starfire's bag, probably. Because <laughs> she went to lunch and then left school. True. We'll take something nondescript purely because don't like know what would tie? actually be in there. No, let's do a hair tie. Starfire wears hair ties all the time. Probably has a stock of them in there. We'll take mm-hmm. a hair tie and then we're gonna on our way out of the school check snap maps, of course. Because as far as Sylvia knows, Stephanie's still in the hospital. So yeah, Stephanie's at home. Um go to Sylvia's house. I don't know where her mom would be. Hmm. Uh, your mom has like a home office that she's probably in. Cool. So we're going to like try and kind of go in quietly purely for not interacting mm-hmm. and get the cross necklace that was Lucian's. Mm-hmm. And then go to Stephanie's house and then not using the front door because why would we do that? We're going to climb up the tree 
and then knock on the window, assuming it's closed. Stephanie's probably in bed at this point. Um, but she'll kind of just like look up. I think starts a little at the knock and looks up and um, nods and just kind of waves as to kind of a come come in motion. Sylvia will open the window and come in. So I know how you are gonna help me. Okay. I want you to use this. We're gonna start with lotion. So she's gonna hand over the cross necklace. And I want you to do to Lucian what you did to me. I mean, what I did to you was try to make you see things that weren't there. Is that, that's what you're asking? I want you to make it so he questions everyone he cares about. Okay. So now is the time to ask about the logistics of hypnosis. Because Caesar hypnotized Stephanie with like a suggestion, like don't cast spells on anyone in the clearing. And in the time that was that was like everyone that was except Sylvia. So Lucian, Starfire, Cassie, Eden, Caesar. And she, it was a full success. So she doesn't realize she was hip being hypnotized. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that she's like incapable of doing it? Like, what does that actually mean like magic wise? Um, what I will say as the GM is that as long as Caesar maintains it, or it is broken by something else happening, uh, it will still hold true. Um, as for what it like means like magic-wise, like if Stephanie wanted to and tried to cast a spell, it would not work. Question, because okay. I love a loophole. What was mm -hmm. the exact wording of the hypnosis command suggestion? Because Another if serpent. it mentions purely like in the clearing is what I'm thinking. Could that mean casting while they're in the clearing? Loophole. <laughs> I freaking love a loophole. Yeah, Karina, choose your words more wisely next time. <laughs> this is on you now. Everyone can blame you and not me. <laughs> Sylvia says I want people to I want him to. I want Lucian to question everyone he cares yeah. about. Um. Okay. I don't know if that's a good idea, Sylvia. Why? Well, the last time I cast a spell on Lucian, he try to kill me afterwards. How do you know you cast it? 
I saw spectral train chains wrap around him and pull him but to the ground. You, know you casted another one. Oh. Well, um. I mean, you figured out I had cast something on you. I knew. Because suddenly things were different. There were things in your room that weren't there when I had first arrived. I... Is Stephanie still laying in the bed? Yeah. Sylvia's so gonna sit on the side and like take Stephanie's hand. I think Stephanie knows exactly every move that Sylvia is playing right now because Stephanie herself once played them. It's Stephanie can't help but melt a little. <laughs> you know, it was actually Caesar who told me not to cast any more magic. And it turns out he's been dating Lucian all this time. So I don't actually know if he has my best interests in heart. Yeah. I saw the um, Instagram posts. Also, strange choice. Lucian's kind of a misogynist. And I would like to use my string and give him the condition <laughs> misogynist because I realized I have a string. Yes. <laughs> <check>. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to find a way to explain this to Stephanie purely based on if it has to be because he's a misogynist and that's why. <laughs> so hex him. <laughs> Make crazy. I'm not there, bro. How can you give me a condition that I'm not there? Because you can do it if you have a string on someone. Yeah, it's just a rumor. Okay. What the fuck is going on here on this day? <laughs> yeah, you did that to yourself, though. You do realize that. Uh, <clears throat> anyway. So. If you are ruling that in Monster Hearts, magic is the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. As said in, in chat. <laughs> Stephanie will squeeze Sylvia's hand and go, can you get me that book over there? And she'll point to, I don't know, her room's a mess. Somewhere she has, which you've actually know about Sylvia. You've seen her writing it in, in it before, which is very much, it's a diary, but, um, hand taped on and like uh collaged on the cover is like burn book like in me girls um and she goes can you hand me that and some tape yeah sylvia will go and grab them and bring them back 
and she will open up a fresh page and tape in like the cross necklace to the page and take her pen which is probably pink and has some like fluff at the top and she will write because she's stephanie chaplin and she's still going to do everything her own way she will write in the book i want lucian astor to feel as lonely and isolated as he made me feel and i would like to cast illusions with specifically non-existent subtext yowza um alrighty uh go ahead and roll with dart can i i'm assuming this somewhat also transgresses the community morals at least if the community which morals are the ones that penny grim told me about yes so that means whatever i roll i'll get to add three to Ooh. Can I believe that I just had to type into my character sheet box in the conditions box, misogynist? <laughs> I did that. The thing I did. I had to do um, it. You're welcome. Four plus three plus three. Ten. Beautiful. Also, you could add one if it counted as like you carrying out a suggestion that I did of me like convincing you to do something because I have thermed temptation, but you really don't need one more on top of that cool well it's definitely a complete yep yowza okay <laughs> i should write that down somewhere <laughs> yeah um lucian is under the effects of illusions now and um cool so do, you get what the do sense. I see, bro? <laughs> well, this would be about the time that. So, okay. So this is uh, lunch-ish. So basically, Cora has not Cora. Sorry, I'm sorry. Starfire has left after seeing Cora on the screen. Um, and I guess I really didn't need to uh, cast a spell to make him feel all alone and isolated. Then, huh? <laughs> Woof. Um, yeah, I guess you s watch Starfire smash your fucking phone and then just leave with only an order to you and to Cassie. Uh, no explanation. No word. No goodbye. No she drove you here you can't even you have to walk back to school now and so you see all this all of this happen and cora's betrayal fresh in your mind and it just it's all starts starts to feel a little overwhelming caesar betrayed your trust Cora betrayed your trust, is still betraying your trust. And Starfire wants to do things by herself, like she always does, because she doesn't tell you anything. And now you're here alone in a Wendy's 
because Cassie and Eden have each other. And who do you have? Lucian, I suppose, just starts researching things about Sylvia on his shattered phone and does what he does best and bites the bit and follows orders. Back in Stephanie's bedroom. The spell worked. Stephanie. I think even though, you know, she's just (laughs) sitting there and writing in a diary just for a moment. Sylvia, you see her eyes flash. Maybe they're not blood red. Maybe this time they're a bit more pink. (laughs) But Stephanie breathes in as she feels a magic energy tingling inside of her and a new tether at the back of her mind. She's not sure if it brings her the satisfaction that it used to, though. She looks at Sylvia. Is there anything more you want? One more thing. And she's going to go the hair tie. I want you to do it to Starfire as well. Just make her not trust anyone. Feel isolated and alone. I can do other things. (laughs) What else could you do? I could make her not able to hurt anyone. So she couldn't do anything to anyone? And there's like a slight smile forming on Sylvia's face. Yeah, it's... (laughs) what I did to Lucian that made him so mad. It hurts too. I saw the scars on his, the burns on his wrists. It burns? With ice. Wait, why do you want to do it? Why do you want to hurt Starfire? It's a little hard to explain, but I told you, I never lied to you, I told you about my family. You did. She wants to hurt my family. What, are her parents cops? Oh, or is it the... Is it the magic thing? You do kind of have both going on, I guess. Yeah. A little more in line with the magic thing, but I feel like you would probably be safer with the less you knew. 
I mean, that's why I always, that's why I never ask any more questions. Well, bad, and I thought if, maybe if I didn't know, I wouldn't get as attached. Okay. I said that I would do anything for you. Ride or die. If you're asking me to do this, then I'll do it. Thank you. Icy chains. I can also make her not lie and ugly acne shit. But I'm assuming this is if it's supernatural, then. Yeah. Not hurting anyone is good. Okay. And she will tape the hair tie. And she will write, I want Starfire to be as harmless as a muzzled dog. And I will cast Binding on Starfire. Please, please roll. Three plus six plus two. Jesus 11. fuck. Oh my. <laughs> and I will say this now. I forgot that I had that spell. I wasn't, I haven't been planning this, but I looked down and I saw binding and I went, of course. The spell works perfectly and you feel that same tether form between you and Starfire. And you've never cast a spell on Starfire before. And it's strange because for a moment there's resistance, like something burning at the icy chains you try to wrap her with. But you are a very powerful witch. And Starfire is muzzled. Also question. Mm-hmm. For the move Temptation, if they succeed, I get to mark experience or gain a string on them. I don't really need any strings on Stephanie. So can I mark two experience? Yeah, absolutely. Does anything change in Stephanie's like appearance? Do our eyes change with this one as well? There's another flash of red. Reddish pink. <laughs> Energy. And she looks at you. It worked. Thank you. Sylvia will give Stephanie a kiss on the cheek. And then holding Stephanie's hand again, she'll say, if they find out it was you, call me and I'll help you. Okay. Rest well. Stephanie Chaplin. And Sylvia will leave. While the spell book is still in her lap, Stephanie is going to 
dig around on her nightstand and pull out the fingernail clippings from Sylvia that she had stashed away. And she was going to set up a little bowl with a match with some incense. She's going to make a ritual out of it in a way that will cover her tracks. She's not documenting this in her diary. And she would like to cast watching on Sylvia Stresciante and see where she goes and what she is trying to do. Go ahead and roll. Three plus two plus five, ten. I don't miss when I hex, baby. Alrighty. Sylvia, what do you go do? Sylvia's going back home. And I was gonna gonna go knock on her mom's study. How is she feeling? She's feeling very good and like accomplished. Like she's succeeding. Cool. Is there any thought Stephanie at all in that head? Show me. No. No. You knock on the door to your mom's study and she says you hear her call out through the door um, who is it? It's me. Oh, come in. Sylvia will come in. Aren't you supposed to be in so, school? Um, I was, but I had to go do something. I got, I managed to make it so starfire can't hurt anyone you see your mom's eyes go wide and she turn like fully turns in like her desk chair to look at you and she goes really did you what did you do break her arms <laughs> no i i found an ally, a tool, a little secret weapon. And she has done it so that there is no way for Starfire to hurt anyone. Well. That really makes our end game so easy. I am impressed. Very impressed. Thank you. 
also, um, I don't really think anyone's gonna care because his dad's dead. But I also had her do something to Lucian, so like a little payback. She raises an eyebrow, but like sort of nods and says, um, well, Mr. Mitchell Blackwell, whatever, uh, he seems quite keen on uh, keeping little Aster alive, but a uh, little payback is nothing wrong with it. Um, I, uh, well, funnily enough, I've been uh, talking to Guadalupe Reyes, and, um, well, the two of us have got, uh, we'll take care of Penny Grimm and all the rest of the, the witch element, um, but, uh, you know, I was thinking, she has a grandson, and um, since we're all working on this together anyway, maybe you two could uh, cook something up for uh, the, the rest of Starfire's friends. Um, well, I don't know how that'll work out since the grandson is dating little baby Aster. I see. You know, Guadalupe failed to mention that to me. I wonder if she knows. Hmm. I don't know. They kind of announced it the other day, so. Well, then I will give her a ring and see what she has to say. Because if the Reyes family isn't on our side anymore, well, I don't know what kind of business we're doing, uh, keeping some kind of truce between us. I would have to agree with that. Let me know how it goes. I will. I will keep you very much in the loop. You know, Sylvia, um, your mom sort of like uh, leans over and like uh, pats your hand. She says, I really, I really wasn't sure. You know, the last couple of years, I feel like you, uh, you really, you really just haven't been as focused as I've wanted you to be, as I thought that you could be, because, you know, you're going to take over this family someday. And I, you know, I wasn't sure if you were ready. I wasn't sure if, 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 you know, I'd have to go mine some other side of the family, like one of your cousins and train them instead. But 
this last week, I've really been impressed. You've really, you've really pulled it together, Sylvia. And I think that you are going to make a very good, very good head of this family someday. Thanks, Mom. I guess I just finally saw the value of family over outsiders. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Since with watching, I feel what everyone, what the hex feels in the scenes. Mm-hmm. When Sylvia says that, is it the truth? Yeah. Got it. (laughs) Your mom smiles at you and says, "Um, well, I'm glad. Um, Now, I gotta get back to work, but um, what what do you want for dinner tonight? I'll take you out. It'll be my treat. Is there like a good Japanese restaurant? Oh boy, is there. (laughs) I could go for some Japanese. Your mom nods and says, uh, that sounds sounds good to me. Cool. So Lou's gonna go to her room and hang out with Regina. (laughs) Cool. I'm in the mood to end on a little bit of a cliffhanger. Can I so, can I yeah. be the cliffhanger? Sure. Because Stephanie is going to exit out of that uh, her of watching, and she is going to try to find Penny Grimm's uh, website where, with the address and see if there is a phone number. Yeah, there is. And she is going to call it. Amazing. That is where we'll end. I don't think I've ever lost more in my life. (laughs) This episode featured Catherine Rarit as the Master of Ceremonies, Percival Walter as Lucian Astor, Quinn Porzen as Eden Grace, Arcadia Reeves as Cassie Rodriguez, Casey Fleming as Starfire Miller, Karina Revilla as Cesar Rodriguez Reyes, Victoria Nielsen as Sylvia Striciante, and Saffron Heftigaub as Stephanie Chaplin. The Valkyrie Cycle is co-directed by Catherine Rarit and Saffron Heftigaub and produced by Casey Fleming. This season's editing team includes Catherine Rarit, Karina Revilla, Casey Fleming, Zola Heftigaub, and Saffron Heftigaub. Music for The Valkyrie Cycle was composed by Haley Adams and Quinn Borison. Art was created by Arcadia Reeves. And our social media team is run by Fabiola Liano. Additional sound effects are sourced from freesound.org and zapsupply.com under the Creative Commons Attribution License. For a full list of credits, please visit our website at midnightceremoniesmedia.com. Again, that's midnightceremoniesmedia.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to leave us a review and tell your friends, as word of mouth is one of the best ways to support the show. We appreciate all your support, and thank you so much for listening. Proud member of the Rainbow Roll Network. Rainbow Roll. Our stories are our voices.